Summer is here. Well, maybe not really. Uh, this is Evan Bland with Tom Chattel and the Pick 6 Podcast. Sam McEwen is out this week. The World Herald uh, is in a bit of a transition this week, moving buildings. So Sam is doing uh, some sports editory things and leaving things, uh, you know, very courageously on his part in the hands of Tom and me. Tom, welcome back from vacation. Yeah, thank you. Um, good to be back, although it's not good to be back in the cold. But um, that was uh, very much a, a shock <laughs> when we got back. But um, we're here. It's always football season, and um, it's still basketball season. And uh, somehow, and um, I'm ready to go. Nebraska basketball on Wednesday night, uh, obviously had a tough one against Rutgers. They lose in overtime, 87-82. We'll touch on that. We'll talk a little Dylan Riola and the Polynesian Bowl, which is coming up Friday night at 8 o'clock Central. That's going to be one Nebraska fans will be dialed in on. But, Tom, I want to start with this. It's been a, a couple of days now since news came that Nebraska finally hired that piece that had been talked about for a long time. Uh, Matt Rule touched on it in December, uh, and then, again, didn't want to talk about it at his signing day press conference uh, later that month, but they hired quarterbacks coach. Glenn Thomas, uh, he was an offensive assistant with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He has a history as an offensive coordinator. He's worked with Matt Rule in the past. What was your impression, first, that Nebraska made that move in general, and then anything specific to uh, your impressions in Glenn Thomas? Yeah, I, I thought it was probably evident when, uh, you know, Rule didn't deny that that would happen. I think it was the, the signing day press conference when he was asked about uh, adding a quarterback coach or another offensive assistant. And he said, I'm not ready to talk about that now. So I thought we we kind of knew that was coming. And I think we, it, it, it it was necessary. I think I think they, they had to do it. Um, a, because I think uh, – Dylan Rayola uh, requires urgency. I think right now, you know, as long as he's in the house, and um, he may be in the house for a long time, but you you, you got to surround him with not only um, receivers and offensive linemen and the people who can help him win or do his job, but you've also got to, um, you know, get somebody who, who who's, who's going to coach him and. Um, that's never been Marcus Satterfield's, um, you know, the, the forte is is the quarterbacks. He came here as a tight ends coach, and um, I, he had so much on his plate last year, uh, the injuries and trying to get <clears throat> offense going that I don't think he really had time to do a lot of that. So th it's, this is a great move. Um, I don't know much about, about Glenn Thomas, but, you know, we're, we're – your 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 fine story got me going, so I'm I'm mourning all the time. And um, <clears throat> you know, I think the fact that he's got a background with Rule, you know, that's one thing about Rule is he brings in guys that he knows. And um, I, 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 you know, one of my first thoughts was, I wonder how. How Thomas is going to work with, with Satterfield? Well, they they have worked together, so because all of a sudden you got another another chef in the kitchen, and 
you know, there's going to be certain things that uh, Rayola wants to run and, and certain plays he likes. And how do you get everybody? And I think, you know, Thomas will be probably kind of a spokesman for him. And uh, what does Satterfield want to call? And how do they all get together? And then you've got Rule, who has the final word. How does it all work? Well, they've all worked together. So that, that that's, that's a great start. So um, I, I feel like that, that, that's going to be sort of a, a dynamic next year is when I, I guess you, you I'm, I'm going to guess you'll probably have Thomas on the sideline. So when Rayla comes out the field, he can talk to him um, oh. immediately and maybe set a fields up in the booth, I guess. I'm not sure how that'll work, but I think the, a communication will will be very important next year. Yeah, your urgency thing I think is right on because you know, like you said, Tom, the learning curve is going to be pretty short. I mean, 2018 and 2019, Marcus Satterfield, Glenn Thomas were on the same Baylor staff under Matt Rule, and things were going pretty well with yeah. what they were doing offensively. So they have similar uh, ideas of terminology, um, and like th that's what you need. To your point, like you have a five star. A quarterback in the mix. You have another elite 11 guy in Daniel Kalen in the mix. Uh, this, this is not a situation where you need these guys to take a year to kind of feel each other out and warm up and, and go like they can go because they have that history to fall back on for sure. And the, and the room is interesting too. Don't you think like, this is not a year ago. Like think you think back a year ago at this moment, Nebraska had three quarterbacks who had started power five games. Casey Thompson was still here. Logan Smothers was still here. Uh, they they brought in Jeff Sims, who had been a starter at Georgia Tech. So, like, it's a much different situation here now where your two of your three scholarship guys are true freshmen. Your other one in Heinrich Harburg started eight games last year, but his skill set is quite a bit different than those guys. And I think when you look at Thomas's history uh, working in the NFL, in pro-style offenses, uh, particularly with Matt Ryan at, in Atlanta, and then in college, uh, in more spread attacks, like his his track record would tell you that like he's not married to a certain scheme or system, but trying to find what works best for each of these guys. And don't you think like the challenge of this room as it's laid out is pretty unique for someone to come into and kind of start over? Yeah, um, it's, it's going to be fascinating. And um, but I, I I like that they're they're all you know this. Thomas is starting uh, here. Uh, he's starting fresh. Uh, quarterbacks are starting fresh. You know, nobody's uh, really got a lot of, um, I guess, I guess preconceived notions or habits or, you know, nobody's, they're, they're, they're all kind of starting from ground one. So I think it's, um, and, and, you know, as far as the offense, I mean, the man gave us the plan. He said it's the 49ers uh, is the, the blueprint. So uh, Saturday night, you know, every time the Niners are on TV, watch that offense. And um, I still go back to, you know, Dylan Rayola, all eyes will be on him. And, um, but I still am intrigued by that. I, I, I really think Carter Nelson is going to be the guy to keep an eye on. Um what what are they going to do with him? They made him, you know, a rule made him sound like sort of that guy. You know, he's he's part Kittle, but maybe he's he's also McCaffrey. Um, maybe, 
maybe he's Debo. Um, you know, he's everywhere. And um, I'm really intrigued by that. And um, it's, it's smart. Um, a, because it's a good offense. And when you have the so-called uh, positionless players, that you know, you, you, maybe as a defense, you don't know what's coming, but this is what kids want to run, and um, I, I, I'm I'm fascinated to watch it. Uh, as always, you can't have an offense without an offensive line, so we'll see how that develops. Um, it, it's got to be better. Um, I think it will be. So, yeah, yeah it's um, when does spring football start? I'm ready to go. Hmm. Yeah, late March. Probably. We still have a little bit of time. A lot of Nebraska's early enrollees uh, were on campus this week getting settled in. Classes at UNL start on the 22nd. So that's coming right up. Um, and then and then it's an offseason and it's development time, right? Now it's time for mat drills. It's time for uh, weight training. I know Matt Rule said specific to the offensive line, this would be a critical stretch just to, to gain some of that strength and to yeah. develop those guys. This is when that happens behind the scene. One other thing on Thomas I thought was interesting, Tom, was that he's coming not just as the quarterback's coach, uh, and that was kind of speculated for quite a while, but when Nebraska announced it yesterday, they also gave him the title co-offensive coordinator. Does that, and we'll talk to Rule at some point about what that means, and, and maybe there's sort of a passing game element to that potentially, or or there's an area maybe where he has some uh, expertise or additional say, but in your experience, Tom, is that, how much do you read into that title? Um, as Marcus Satterfield continues to call plays, is this more of a, uh, you know, a, a title thing as it relates to maybe potential salary, or does this signify something greater, uh, with what Nebraska wants to do on offense? Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. And, um, generally that would, that would really worry me. That would be a red flag. Those things don't work very often when nobody knows who's in charge of what. You have too many coordinators and too many people with titles. Um, it's going to be very specific and ironed out. And um, But Matt Rule's a guy with his hand on everything, and I'm going to guess um, he's not just going to throw titles around and, and then go off and, and watch something else. Um, he's going to be right in the middle of it. So... And he knows all these guys, and they all know each other. You know, my, my guess is that it'll it'll be it'll be fine. It's all defined. It's all worked. You know, ahead of time, everybody knows what they're doing. But um, yeah, it, these things generally are <laughs> cause more problems than the, than than not. But um, um, you know, the, the fewer the titles, probably the more people involved, the better. Uh, you know, usually, you know. Um, Tom Osborne called plays. He was the offensive coordinator. He was the quarterback coach. Eventually, they 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 brought in Turner Gill to be the quarterback coach. There was still one coordinator, um, and so you know, generally, you know, that was the case with Bill Callahan. For whatever that was worth, um, had a coordinator, but he was kind of the guy. I mean, I just I just think, um, you know. After a game, we'll be wondering who, you know, did Satterfield call the play or was Thomas involved in that or how did that work? Um, I'm sure it'll, it'll all be explained to us this spring, but um, I'm going to guess Satterfield will still call plays. 
he's a passing guy, right? That's what rules told us. He likes to throw, he likes to throw it down field. So, um, um, <clears throat> I'm going to guess this is without really talking to anybody about this yet. Um, this was a title thing, but um, of course we'll be speculating. Maybe things don't work out great next year. Maybe this is the future. Um, and and then you've got uh, the, this whole Daniel Holgerson thing. I, I'm under the impression that that's not over yet, that he could still come in as an offensive analyst and, um, what a great hire that would be. Um, uh, here's a guy that, that's an offensive coordinator and a quarterback guy. So you bring him in, and, uh, man, those meetings would be fun. Um, <laughs> there would be a real think tank. Um, but I, I, I just um, – the only, the only thing I really know about Thomas, uh, Evan, is that um, uh, Mike Tomlin hired him. <laughs> so he yeah. must be a – he must be a ball coach. He must be a really, really good coach if Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin wanted him. So um, I, I'm not sure what, you know, uh, he, he he did with the Steelers specifically. Um, I, I wouldn't take credit for the quarterback play necessarily. I wouldn't want to be around that. But um, I, I think that, um, again, if he's the Steelers staff, he, he's good. Right, for sure. And, The Holgerson thing, to me, Tom, suggests that they're really trying to consider all ideas with what this offense could be next year, right? Because like when his name came up a couple of weeks ago, it didn't strike me as a fit for offensive coordinator just because of his background. Dana Holgerson came coming from the Mike Leach tree of, of air raid offenses. And that, as Matt Rule has articulated, that is not what Nebraska is looking for. They're looking for sort of the, the pro style Michigan mold uh, slash San Francisco positionless offense thing. So to me, you know, his, his, the dialogue that they have with him suggests that they're considering all sorts of things and trying to open things up. And the fact that Glenn Thomas has the co OC title kind of gives off similar vibes to me because you know, again, he has done this before. He coordinated the offense at Arizona State a couple of years ago. He was the co-OC at Baylor and at Temple under Matt Rule. He's worked with Matt Ryan with the Atlanta Falcons and pro-style systems. He's worked in up-tempo uh, schemes as well. And so, like, it, just, it strikes me as a guy who has a a wide breadth of experience a a lot of different levels can um, you know adjust to what talents are on his roster and so yeah I mean obviously everyone knows Nebraska's offense last year stunk and statistically was the worst it's been since what 1968 and so you have to figure out a way to be more creative and they've upgraded the talent at that position and now I think you're seeing them um increase sort of that that circle of trust to include some guys who have some different experiences so we'll see how that translates so the other reason of course that the glenn thomas hire has so much attention is because of the guy that he's presumably uh, going to be coaching as the starter down the road dylan Rayola. tom i don't think we've had the chance to talk with you much on this pod about Rayola and, and your impressions of him but it's been more than a month now since it first started to come out that he was considering flipping from Georgia. Since then, 
He has been on campus as a recruiter for transfer portal uh, visitors that have come in. He's been a key reason that they've landed receivers like Isaiah Nayor and Jamal Banks, Dante Dowdell. Um, you know, Dowdell was the guy who was jumping like six feet over Riola uh, at midfield at Memorial Stadium, and then he committed the day later. Uh, and now he's out of the Polynesian Bowl, and you probably saw a video of him throwing it 72 yards in the air. What's been your impression now a month into the Dylan Riola experience about what he's all about, about maybe what the expectations of him are going to be, you know, moving forward into 2024. Yeah. I, I don't know what the expectations are going to be. I mean, I, I kind of know, but I, I'm, 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 I don't really want to think about it right now, but um, <laughs> um, uh, he he's going to start and he's going to be good. And he's going to make throws. Maybe we haven't seen, and and uh, and, and maybe make plays with his arm. We haven't seen, um, but there's going to be some mistakes, and so we'll deal with that next fall. Um, right now, his his job is is um, he's sort of like an ambassador uh, of the program. And um, what's really impressed me the most is, um, I mean, yeah, a guy like him can attract other other recruits transfers um and and uh but what's really impressed me at his age is that his willingness to go out and do that um and be the lead guy when when the when the big dog um wants to be the big dog and and not only isn't afraid of of leadership but is already showing it um that's a hell of a deal that's when you know you got something. When when you know before he's even set foot on the field, he's already acting like a leader, and um, he's not afraid to be out in public, whether it's basketball or this or deal or that deal. Um, but he's he's helping you recruit, and 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 um, I, I really feel like that's you know, and people are attracted to that. Um, these guys see the X factor in him. And, um, you know, they, they want to be part of it. So uh, that has really impressed me, that no, you know, knowing that, okay, you know, I said, well, he's probably the most important recruit since Frazier because of that impact. He, he not only raises the level, which we have not seen yet him do, but he brings, he attracts um, other people to the program, which Frazier did. Uh, the recruiting went uh, way up. <clears throat> um, probably be, I don't need to. I don't need to, you know, uh, compare him to anybody in the next four years. But he, he's the the the, the first Dylan Rayola. But um, I'm just impressed by his uh, willingness and ability to em embrace that role. And that tells me a lot of good things are coming. He'll be playing Friday night in the Polynesian Bowl, probably extensively, uh, thrown to Carter Nelson. It's going to be really interesting just to kind of get a sense of where he's at. I mean, we saw, again, the the clip of him and in, in the arm strength that he has thrown it downfield. And, like, I'm thinking, too, Tom, like, yeah, he hasn't been on campus yet. He hasn't participated in, in even spring ball to this point. But, like, his mere presence is going to change what Nebraska can do on offense, in my opinion, when he's out there. Because 
Uh, I mean, you think back to last year, um, defenses are putting eight men in the box, daring Nebraska to beat them over the top. And now uh, if you're a Big Ten defensive coordinator, you've probably seen the video of, of the dude who can throw it 70 yards downfield. So like just that threat alone without any of the other stuff that he has with touch and interim intermediate routes and all that, like that to me, that changes what Nebraska is going to be able to do uh, and how defenses are going to approach it. And so I still think his inclusion um, can make Nebraska still a, a run heavy team, especially late in the game, as Matt Rule has said, but like just the specter of a guy like that who can beat you with one play, who can cut a ball through the wind uh, in the Midwest with a tight spin uh, a guy who has sort of those intangible abilities as a leader, like that stuff makes sense and and it makes a difference. And I just, I can't get past this idea that like, even before he's won the job, like the reputation that he's bringing in can change uh, and, and open some things up for Nebraska in a way that they just didn't have the last couple of years. Yeah. And I, I don't think we need uh a real fancy aerial show every game. We just need the guy to throw from here to here, you know, thread the needle, A to B, uh, get the ball out, out when it needs to be out. Um, you know, don't, he didn't, yes, there will be interceptions. There will be times when the defense fools him. Um, it's a learning process and, and uh, he's going to learn. And, um, but I mean, he's, I just think a quarterback can is an amazing a, a quarterback who can who, who who can execute and make the throws. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful thing when you don't have to worry every time they goes back to pass. You know, some some old guy in the press box is saying, "Uh oh," you know, <laughs> how many times did I do that last year? Uh oh, you know, um, well, he's, somebody's back to pass. It could be trouble. You know, now what? You know, you won't hear me saying that. Probably very often, if at all. Um, so, um, but when I look at Don Rail, I, I I don't you know, I I know the arm is there, and the leadership is there, but I wonder about the offensive line, and and I really hope that that's better. Give him a chance. You know, you don't need him being on the run um, his first year too often. The other thing is, um, I I hope they find a running back for him. And, you know, the kid from Oregon was, looks pretty good because um, he can do a lot of good different kind of runs and styles. Um, I think the run game is so important next year because it's the first year. You don't want everything to be on those shoulders. You want to be able to have him hand off a lot. And I think I think Rule will do that. I think this first year the run game will be very, very prevalent if they, if they can run it. Um. Now, that will, in turn, he can help the running game. Like you said, the, 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 they dare you to pass, not anymore. You dare him to pass, there goes a guy down, down, the, down the sideline scoring for a touchdown. Um, so that'll open up the more for the run game. I think we'll see a balance um, if, if there's a running back and an offensive line. And I really think that's going to be the key to his first year. Is is taking um, a lot of responsibility off him and letting him ease into it, and um, 
So hopefully there's a run game coordinator and all those titles. Um, maybe it's, uh, you know, Donovan Rayola. Um, but I must say at the Allen Trophy dinner, it was very sharp with the red Hawaiian flowered uh, type of shirt under, under his suit. Um, I was, I was really thought that that, that was, uh, he kind of stole the show there. Um, but um so I'm I'm hoping this is um, the year of Rayola on the O line and the quarterback. Well, it's a great point that he has some senior guys around him. I mean, you think about that line like Bryce Benhart's been there a long time. Ben Scott's a veteran at center. Micah Mazuka, who's coming in as a transfer, has been around the block. This is his last year. Turner Corcoran, Teddy Prohaska, like these are guys who are grizzled Big Ten or Power Five blockers I and mean, that's a great start and then uh, to your point i mean dowdell's coming in isaiah Nayor and jamal banks who's done it at wake forest like it does feel like it doesn't have to be all on riola to make a difference and you think back to the things that held back nebraska last year i mean they didn't need their quarterback position to be superman they needed them to maybe not uh, give the ball away 25 times the way that the position was credited with they needed uh, yeah, a few more basic completions. And I think that's something Royola can, can definitely bring. All right. So Nebraska basketball, we'll, we'll end with this. They uh, once again, fall short on the road, 87, 82 in overtime at Rutgers. How much of this game did you watch Tom? Uh, Nebraska gives up 25 offensive rebounds, 56 overall uh, long scoring droughts. And once again, just feels like a team that hasn't figured out how to handle success. Yeah, they just drive you crazy. And and just when you think you're, you know, um, you know like Godfather 3, you know, I got out and they pulled me back in. You know, <laughs> the, the Purdue game, they pull you back in. Okay, here we go. And I wrote it last week. This can't be the highlight. How many times have we seen they've stormed the court before? That's not new. They've beaten KU. They've beaten Purdue. They've beaten all these people. You know, they've, they've beaten people before, and then they go back into their. In, in, you know, it's like Superman goes back into Clark Kent, and yeah. Clark Kent can't get out of the phone booth because he's turning the ball over or he can't rebound. That was last night. Okay, Iowa. Okay, you go to Iowa. It's the game after. I give him a little pass on that one because Iowa. <clears throat> Is a lot. They're 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 like Creighton. When they get rolling, it's it's you can't stop them. They they, they really play offense well. It's at home, although there was nobody at the game. Uh, that was kind of a missed opportunity there. But I, I okay, you didn't play great there. Okay, now we go to Rutgers, where you, you should win if you're if you're the who we think you are. You should win that game. And they had two 12 point leads last night. And they still figured out a way to lose that game. And it's just, oh, I rub my head because they, they got a they got a break on the inbounds or on the, the last three seconds. Um <laughs> and they, they throw this this law pass. Where was that supposed to go? I mean, it's just like off the backboard. So I don't know what they're doing, but I know is they'll probably win their home games, the majority of them, you know, then they they have to now. 
But they got to start finding out a way to win on the road because the NCAA tournament, yeah, it's it's great to have the, okay, we beat Purdue, we got K-State on the road, you know. But their non-conference schedule was really not good. It's, it's I don't want to call it terrible. It was soft. It was Cupcake City. And so they, they have to overcome that in the uh, uh, NCAA committee room. Um, beating Purdue is a good start to do that. But you got to do more. You got to go on the road. You got to be consistent. Um, I'm not saying losing the Rutgers offsets beating Purdue, but it almost does. It's like now you got to overcome that. Um, so it's frustrating uh, because just when you think, boy, this is this is his best team. This looks different. These guys look tough. They can do all this stuff. They got rebounders. They've got. Defenders, um, uh, it's just um, how do they go through these scoring droughts? I mean, get the ball to you get the ball to Tom Monago and let him shoot until he makes one. You know, <laughs> he'll make one eventually. Um, I just and yet now you wonder about uh, Javon Gary. How bad is he hurt? Guess we'll find out today. Um, I don't know, Evan. It's just. Um, it's frustrating. It, it just because, you know, there's a lot of season left. But we're back to not trusting this team again. And um, they'll tease us with, you know, maybe beating Wisconsin at home or uh, Maryland at home or something like that. Um, but then they'll go and they'll lose to somebody they shouldn't. And uh, I don't know. It's um, I'm going to be on here later um, today with the special Thomas Press Box uh, podcast with, with Lee Barfneck. And um, oh, all right. we're going to be talking about Danny Nee. And, um, you know, Danny Nee, we, we're all we've said about him. And when I've said it all, the guy was the best coach they ever had. And uh, he's going to get his due this weekend. And, um, yeah, the guy delivered. He took them to the tournament four years in a row. They won a lot of big games. They had the, some ups and downs, <laughs> some crazy deals. <laughs> but uh, generally, he had the best talent in school history. And um, they were so much fun to watch. And uh, never felt like they were going to, you know, that when they got in the tournament, they kind of fell off the cliff. Okay. But during the regular season, they, they there was a lot there to like, so I'm 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 looking forward to that conversation. Hopefully, that'll be a, up up online later. Yeah, that'll be good, and that does kick off a really interesting stretch. I mean, you have uh, Danny Knee Appreciation Day for Northwestern Saturday afternoon. That's Northwestern, by the way, a team that also has beaten Purdue this season. So, how does Nebraska bounce back from that? Then they have Ohio State at home on Tuesday before they go back on the road at Maryland. So. Yeah. Another interesting stretch where you can kind of find your footing, you know, win a game or two at home. If you don't, man, it's it's going to be tough because, like you said, 13 and five, three and four in the league. But a lot of those wins uh, don't move the needle. They have the big ones uh, with Kansas State and Michigan State. Maybe Indiana becomes a big one. And that becomes what happens with Juwan Gary. I mean, he's kind of been the team's uh, grown man, kind of the enforcer out there. So if he's out for an extended stretch or potentially the rest of the season. We don't know. 
Uh, what does that look like? So yeah, it's, we'll find out today. I, I really, you know, Saturday shapes up as an interesting deal because <clears throat> although all the all the old guys are back, Danny's on on stage. Um, but it's going to be a high of two degrees, and you know the the the, the skeptic in me says. There might be some fans who do, who decide I don't need to go out today, <laughs> and I'm not gonna. And they're they're really mad about last night's loss. They're not gonna go. I think a lot of people are gonna go. They're gonna they're, they're gonna be tough and get out there, and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun deal. But how do they? How does this team react to last night? If they don't have Gary, uh, the first thing that goes wrong are they gonna go oh, and we go again? They're gonna fight through it. Uh, Northwestern's a tough opponent. Um, they they know how to win and they know how to close and uh, they won a big one last night from Maryland. Um, it, it's 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 a big game, kind of game that can get them back on track. But as I've said, you've got to keep going. And um, huh, it's um, you know, you know what they really need is to go to Maryland and win. They need to go. They need to go get one like that. You know, there aren't many games like that on the road left that would be an eye opener for, for for the committee, and but that'd be one of them. So um, they could come away with they can win the next three. Okay, uh, you you pull me back again, but um, we'll see. It's um, it's hard following Nebraska basketball. It always has been. <laughs> I think we need we need Danny Nee to give a fiery pregame speech. On Saturday, don't you think he's still Hide got some of that New Yorker in him? Hide the kids. <laughs> That's right. Yep, you might. Well, yeah, have your seven second uh, uh, dump button ready potentially. Well, you want to hear the speech? You might have to go to Barry's. He that was his signature move after a game. I, I'm going to write about this. I love this story. A, a, a couple of friends of mine told me the story that they used to try to beat Danny to Barry's after the game. And one time they thought we got him. We were in the car. We left at the end of the game. We left the Devaney Center. We're in the car. We parked close. We're driving to Barry's. And we hear him on the uh, – we hear the post-game show on the radio. We, we got him this time. He's still in there doing radio. We got him. They get to Barry's. They park. They get in there. And guess who's standing at the bar already? <laughs> Me. He still beat him. How does he do it? So, um, you don't they don't make him like that anymore. You don't see coaches at Barry's uh, or anywhere like that anymore. But um, so he was he was he was so perfect in the league with um, crazy kooky characters, um, Billy and Johnny and Norm and and all the rest. Um, he was right in the middle of it, and. Um, the games he waged with Norm while will live in my memory forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, standing in midcourt, screaming at him, screaming at each other, screaming on pleasantries. Just wonderful, uh, great, great stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to the to, to my second podcast today. We'll, we'll, we'll tell stories and hopefully it'll be up there later. Well, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to having Sam back next week as we complete the move and, and he's back in the mix. Nebraska football is going to be on campus working. Nebraska basketball is going to be trying to get back on track and we'll be back next week to talk about all of it. So for Tom, if it ever gets warm, we're going to have lunch. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, it's my treat.
Yes, maybe we'll have to do that this I got week. to take you guys. I, I won the, the 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 pick six uh, contest. So I'm I'm the rule is the winner has to buy lunch. Yeah, so we'll, you can take your victory lap. Have you ever been to Paisons? Uh, it's been a while. Okay, yeah. well, I think we're going to go to Paisons. So. All right, it's a deal. Actually, Tom, I'm Evan. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Appreciate you all. Have your fans.